0: Um, I want you to grab a Bible that you either that you brought along with you or one that's along uh, the aisles here. I want you to find Mark chapter 12. Um, it's page 849, if you need one of these Bibles that we've provided. But while you're getting uh to that section, I, I want you to give me a little bit of shout out about um, how can you tell what people value? What actions do people do? What things do they say? How can you tell that people value something immensely? Diane. They give their time and their money. How else can you tell that people value something? Like, yeah, they talk about it. There's a lot of not just lip service, but it's like there's a passionate uh, sense to it. What else can you can you tell? (laughs) Yeah, you go to Facebook and you go, oh yeah, jabbering about this. What else? Is that true? Are are you talking about me? Maybe. What else? What's that? Yeah, I know. Is there any other ways that we can sense people's value? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's often the company that you keep. It shows uh, what I believe, what I value, often re- is reflected in the people that are around me. What else? Ah, uh, yeah. They put effort towards it, time, energy, and give their absolute top-notch or as best as they can. What else? Anything? All right, this, this morning we're going to just walk through a few short verses. And uh, i, I got to just do my little confession before we get into this. My, my initial um, gut reaction with this section, if you know anything about it, is to kind of check off my stewardship uh, talk just nailing the tithe and talk about giving and just bring it home and just say, listen, poor lady, she did it, you do it too. But then I I also had to, as I'm reading through it, I kept on, and the fun thing about walking through the book of Mark as a whole book is that you have to read it within context. You have to say, okay, what is going on now? And what has been going on and what will be going on. So it's not just a, this is not just a giving thing. This, Jesus, in the previous chapter, really had some tough discussions with the religious people of the day. And we have got to bring that into context. So follow along with me, chapter 12, 41 through 44. And he sat down opposite the treasury. And watch the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which which make a penny. And He called His disciples to Him and said to them, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. All that she had to live on. A little bit of background. Jesus has been sitting and talking with the scribes, the Pharisees, the Herodians. Uh, He's been talking with all the religious folks of the day. And if you just back up, you can see that Jesus has been just been challenged time and time and time again. Uh, He's been talking to um, his disciples about, okay, listen. I'm going to curse this tree and there's I'm doing this cursing for a certain reason because it's not bearing fruit. I'm going to talk to you about um, paying taxes to Caesar. They were trying to catch Jesus in in um, a political trap and he said, listen, hold on. Pay to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. And Jesus is saying, listen, pay, pay your dues. But God desires all of your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all of your strength. Basically, he's saying, give to Caesar what's his. Give to God, you. Then he goes on to say, listen, um, what about the resurrection? So it's this theological question. and Jesus just nailed it. And after that, he... One of the scribes comes forward and says, So Jesus, tell me, what is the greatest commandment? What is above everything else? What is the priority commandment of everything? And Jesus says, it's this. You know it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength, with everything that you have. Love God. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself love God, love people. And they were silenced. They were silenced by by Jesus when He finally said, I, I am the Christ. I am God and I am man. And finally, Jesus picks up and walks with His disciple into the court of women. And in the court of women was the place where uh if you were coming to the temple, where you would bring your offering, your religious dues, if you will, to honor God, to pay for the temple, to pay for everything that's going on. And there were 13 what looked like um, inverted trumpets. So it started off small on the top and went big towards the bottom. And every person who would come to the temple would pay... Their temple, if you will, their temple tax. And they would just pay into these 13 uh, treasury boxes. And each of there, there was uh, new shekel dues, old shekel dues, bird offering, young birds for the whole offering, wood, frankincense, gold for the mercy seat. And on six of them, they were free will offerings. And this was the high time of year. This was the time where every religious person from Jerusalem, from Judea, from that immediate area, Israel, would come together, come to the temple. There were millions of people. But it was also the people, the Jewish people who had been spread throughout uh, the Roman-occupied world, would come back to Jerusalem for this great trip because this was the Day of Atonement. The day where their sins would be forgiven, where they'd confess their sins before God, and God would say, Though your sins were as scarlet, you are now white as snow. Your sins have been forgiven. So they would come back, do their religious duties. And in this, Jesus brought his disciples into the court of women and sat them down. And he watched people. How many people, uh, this is kind of a confession, how many people are people watchers? It's a sickness, isn't it? I I love going to uh, like airports and watching people and trying to figure out, oh, he's a shark. Oh, she thinks a lot about herself. You know, you just watch how people dress, how they walk. Well, in the same way, Jesus is sitting in the court of women at where the treasury, where people would be giving their offerings. And he was just watching people watching every person that would walk by. And the disciples were doing the same thing. George, uh, George MacDonald, uh, a Scottish uh, theologian, said this. Throw this up for me, Craig. When we feel as if God is nowhere, He is watching over us with an eternal consciousness above and beyond our every hope and fear. God at all times, is watching. Even in those times where you feel like God is absolutely nowhere to be found, God is, God is there and He is watching our every action. And for me, part of that is like creepy. It's like stalker God. But He's watching. If we really believe that God is omnipresent, if He is even here in this moment, that's a lot of weight for me as a pastor. It's a lot of weight for you as a person. That God is here in this moment, and He's listening, and He's watching, and He also sees the motivation of our hearts. What is really going on deep inside? He'll see, you, and He'll know why you are here this morning. Is it out of religious obligation, to full, you know, kind of check off that that task, or is it out of deep love and appreciation? And in the same way, Jesus was in, in this temple area and He was watching as God watching people and their motivations and their actions. And I'm sure if you if you know anything about our culture, there's something about how people act. You can tell just by watching people, those people who think they have a lot of money, and those people who do have a lot of money, just by the way, sometimes they flaunt. How they dress, how they talk, how they talk to, how they talk down to people. You know what I'm talking about? And Jesus is sitting here watching what, watching what's going on. And more than likely, uh, Josephus talks about, he was a, a Jewish historian during this time, talks about how some people, the wealthy folks, would come in with huge chests of money. Can you imagine what would happen? I'd be one following along, going, holy cow, check this out. And and the drama that would come with taking in these huge chests of wealth and bringing it into the temple courts. I'm sure that there's not this, this pious, quiet moment. A lot of times it's a Grabbing as much as you can and shoving it down these these trumpets of offering. And Jesus is checking that. You can even see it here. He sat down and He's watching people put money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. Now here, there is no condemnation whatsoever. He's not saying anything bad about rich folks. He's not saying about giving large offerings. Nothing wrong with that. But there's something that caught His attention. Something that just made his heart leap for joy. Many people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins. This was literally, in our day and age, a quarter of a penny quarter of a penny is what she gave. And what did she do? She gave it all. In a quiet, you know, you got these, these people who are just putting money in and putting money in and putting money. And she quietly, I'm sure there's something that set her aside in her dress as a widow. And the way that she looked, she quietly did not want to bring any attention to herself. But she quietly walked in with her two small, thin copper coins and put in the free will offering. And I'm sure when those two small copper coins hit the bottom, hit the other coins, hardly a noise was heard among the clatter and the noise of all the other offerings going on. Her two small coins made no noise to the human ear. But there was something that caught Jesus' attention. Where what did He do? He brought His disciples close and said, you've got to see this. I'm seeing something that you can't see, but I, I want you to... I want you to know about this because this offering is going to go down in history. These two small coins, you need to know, are going to be multiplied by the way that preachers talk about them, how people read Scripture and are encouraged by this. This, you need to know about this offering because this is huge. He says, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those contributing to the offering box. Her two small coins, somehow in Jesus' economy, was more than all the offerings of that day. She got it. She got something that the disciples had to catch. Because He's saying, listen, it's not necessarily about all these, these big gifts. And, and that's where, you know, as, as a pastor leading this church, I'm going, man, if we had some sugar mamas and sugar daddies in this church, life would just really be easy. Most of us are not that. College students. Not a lot of money There. Families of five, starting out, single young adults. We're not rich, are we? But so God says. Listen, her meager offerings were greater than all the other offerings that came in that day. So what is that saying for us? What is that saying? John Calvin, you guys throw in a Calvin thing every once in a while, just to. Be truly reformed. John Calvin said this, and listen carefully to what he has to say. This lesson is useful in two ways. The Lord encourages the poor who appear to lack the means of doing well, not to doubt that they testify to their enthusiasm for Him even with a slender contribution. If they consecrate themselves, their offerings, which appear mean and trivial, will be no less precious than if they had offered all the treasures of Croesus. On the other hand, those who have a richer supply and stand out for their large givings are told that it is not enough if their generosity far exceeds the commoners and the underprivileged. For with God, it rates less for a rich man to give a moderate sum from a large mass and for a poor man to exhaust himself out of the heart of a woman. And that is where I see my value. It's not this exterior kind of, I do, I do, I do, I look. But God says, look, you have value, you all have value in all your places in life because you are a child of the King. There's also, as I, I, I love the, uh, the epistles to the Corinthian church. And in uh, chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians, Paul is speaking to this very wealthy um, church in Corinth. And he's, he has something very important to say to them. And starting in uh, chapter 8, verse 1, it says this. I want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in what? A wealth of generosity on their part. Now, go back one more. Look at this. Out of their this was a church that was being persecuted. They were poor. This church in Macedonia, they were extremely poor and being persecuted. There's a lot of affliction going on here. But then it says, out of their abundance of joy, where's that joy come from? Hopefully, not in doing things, but their their joy is found deeply in Christ. Out of their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty, put those two things together. Have overflowed a wealth of generosity on their part. Then it goes on to say this For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own free will, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected. But they gave themselves first to who? To the Lord. To God. And then, by the will of God, to us. And there's something beautiful about this this progression. They gave themselves first fully to the Lord. And then, out of response to that, they gave themselves with extreme generosity to people they had no clue, people they've never met. A poor group of people. Abundant generosity. A wealth of generosity. Here's the thing that I'm pretty sure of. That God doesn't want our money. He wants us. God wants us. God doesn't need our money. He wants our hearts, our souls, our minds, our strength. He wants everything about us. And He wants obedience. He wants love. He wants worship. And like Steve said, not just the songs lift up your hands and have a kumbaya moment. He wants our lives completely. He wants us to worship with our time, uh, the way that we love our neighbors as we love ourselves. He wants us to love Him by the way that we study for the classes that we're taking. He wants us to love deeply in every way possible with our whole lives, 24-7. He wants us to love Him deeply by the way that we love our spouses by the way that we love our children, by the way that we love the homeless man or woman, by the way that we love, that's what He wants. He wants that. However, we cannot give ourselves to Him apart from our money. We cannot give ourselves fully to Him apart from our money. Because that's part of us, isn't it? so I promised I wasn't going to make this a tithing. But it is true that money speaks. It tells us where our hearts are. And the best remedy for many of us, myself included, is to fall in love with God with all of our heart. Fall deeply in love with God with all that we are. Because where our heart is, so will be our treasure. So will be how we spend our time, how we talk, how we love the people around us. And the best uh, example of love, the best example of care, the best example of Christ's provision for us was not a meager sacrifice. It was a rich sacrifice. Paying the ultimate cost, the death on a cross that a criminal could only uh, pay. And we celebrate it on a weekly basis as brothers and sisters in Christ by taking communion together and remembering the great gift of grace and mercy. Shown to us. And hopefully out of the remembering that He gave His body that we see in the bread, the blood as we see in the cup, in the the juice, that we see out of this and we are re-reminded and re-reminded, man, God loves me. And out of my faithful obedience, out of my great joy, love, and appreciation and gratitude, I serve Him and give Him my all as He has given me His all. So for that reason, we we come to this table and we take this bread and we hear Jesus' words saying, this is My body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. And in the same way, at the end of the meal, He took the cup and He said, listen, this is my blood poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I want to encourage you to take time. If you need to repent and say, Man, Lord, I have," there is a segment of my heart that I can say I have not given to you. In fact, I'd like to keep that small coin to myself and not allow you to be Lord of that. Allow this time to, for the Spirit to work in you, convict you, and remember and believe in what He has done and is doing in you. Would those who are serving please come forward? This is also our time for giving back to God through benevolence. But when you're ready, come for all things are ready. I, I, I kind of put, put on the guilt, didn't I? And that's kind of what the law does. It says, listen, this is how far you, you are or you were. But let me show you grace. And that's what communion is. It's, it's a beautiful picture, a reminder, a weekly reminder for us at Missio Day of what Jesus Christ did and is doing in our lives. That He gave His perfect life, as we see in the bread, His whole perfect life, and gave it to us by breaking His body. He gave us His perfect blood and He shed it so that we could have new life. His very life source was shed out so that we could have life. So that the wrath of God is no longer on us, but is satisfied so that we can have new life in Him. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a... Come on. He's a what? Yeah. He's a new creation, a new creature creation. For the old is gone and the new has come. And we celebrate this remembering the sins of this past week, the, the guilt that we have, and we can say, Christ, again today, Here's my life. I give you my life, Lord, completely and fully again. And we celebrate this with heavy but happy hearts, remembering the price that has been paid for us. This is a meal that we ask that is reserved only for those who believe in their hearts and confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is who He says He is, Lord and Savior. We also ask that you examine your hearts, that you be honest with yourself and, quite honestly, maybe you need to be honest with each other. Examine your hearts. Confess. I'm going to be available in the back. Nate will be available in the back for a little bit. Katie, would you be available in the back? If you need somebody just to pray with, we can be your portable confession if that's what you need. If you need to just pray with somebody, we'd love to do that with you. But get right first. So on the night that He was betrayed, Jesus took bread and He broke it. He said, this is My body that is broken for you. Do this. This meal in remembrance of Me. And in the same way, He took the cup and he poured it out and said, listen, this is a picture of my blood that will be poured out in a few short hours. Do this in remembrance of me. We celebrate by means of intinction. Would the servers please come forward? We celebrate by means of intinction, which basically means you'll be offered the bread first. The body of Christ broken for you. And then the cup offered to you. The blood of Christ poured out for you. And your rightful response is saying, Amen. So come, when you are ready, for all things are ready.